Hey, teacher friends, this is Angie in the Rockin' This Teacher Thing podcast show, the podcast for early primary teachers that rock their classrooms every day. In today's episode, we have Mackenzie Riant, an amazing first grade teacher who will be taking us inside her math instruction time. So much good stuff from Mackenzie. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll also be talking about quick and easy formative assessment. I know, sounds horrible, but I promise it will be great. And I will also be giving you a free printable that you can use in your classroom today. Lots of amazing stuff ahead, so let's start rocking today's episode. Here we go. Hey, teacher friends, let's jump right into this. Today's interview is with first grade teacher Mackenzie Riant. She's going to be telling us about her math instruction time. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Here we go. And she is the amazing first grade teacher that I have had the very good fortune of being able to teach with. So oh. she's here and she's going to talk about her math. How she I guess math, math instruction. Okay. Um, one of my favorite things that I do is teach math through small group instruction. So I have my kids broken down into groups based on their ability, and they're flexible. Like I can change it if somebody's really strong in money but has poor number sense. They can kind of fluctuate between groups. But each group comes to me at the table, and I teach them the skill there with manipulatives and whiteboards. And like if we're doing coins, coins, or tens and ones, sticks and cubes. Um, And then they do... The other groups are doing a seat page that is reviewing a previous skill, so they nice. shouldn't need a ton of assistance. Right. And then a game that is also reviewing a previous skill. So, so three they play, groups. yeah. So they do three stations every day: a game, um, and then a seat. We call it seat work, but sometimes it's like extra math on the iPad mm-hmm. or a fluency thing. Or if I have a parent volunteer, it'll sometimes be their seat game will be in the hall, or sometimes the other game will be in the hall. Um, but I have a parent, nice. or I'll use parents a lot for it too. Nice. But so they do three different stations. They're about fifteen minutes each. Cool for our math time. Nice. Yeah. How? Where? Um, why do you do it this way instead of whole group? Um, when I was in grad school, um, we were, one of the things we were doing was like looking at our kids and kind of seeing what they needed. And at that time, I had a group of kids in my class that were several grades above grade level. And then I had a group of kids in my class that were very, very low. So I was having a hard time so whole group's not gonna work. teaching to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So when I was in grad school, I did a lot of research on games and the use of games and small group instruction and how it's so much easier to differentiate. So I did my whole um, thesis or my whole action research project on small group instruction. So the year I did it with one of my classes where we would do I think I did two weeks of whole class instruction and two weeks of small group and two weeks of whole alternated back and forth. And actually tested this. Yeah, and then at the end of each week, I had – so I used – I recorded two things. One of the data that I was collecting, the pieces Mm -hmm. of data I was collecting, was their performance and whether or not they understood the skill. But then the other thing I collected, I had them fill out a survey at the end of each week. Yes. And it talked about – it asked um, their frustration 
Like, one of the things was, did I feel frustrated? And it had, like, a smiley, a straight face, and a frown face. So they had to decide my level of frustration. And then there was, did I understand everything being taught? Did I feel like my questions were answered? Yes. Did I feel like it was challenging enough? Yes. And it was, like, overwhelming that the kids preferred small group instruction. The high kids felt more challenged. They felt they were doing something at their level. And the low kids felt like their questions were able to be answered they were doing something they could understand. They didn't feel frustrated. They didn't feel they confused. Probably grew, grew they didn't so much faster. Yes, too. and even I remember I had one boy in my class who cried during whole class instruction because yes. he just didn't right. learn it. Sitting, sitting at a desk. Yes, being taught with a teacher on the board, showing him right. here's what you for forty five minutes, and then you're going to do three workbook pages was not how he could understand it. Right. But when he had a whiteboard and he could write the problems or draw the picture or use the blocks to build his math problem or whatever we were doing at the time, he could learn that way. So I did my whole grad school project on the difference and then I just kind of stuck with it after that. Yeah. 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 So what are your favorite uh, tools then that you use during your small um, group? The, I would say the at my table when they're with me, we use whiteboards Okay. And markers almost every day. Hey, those dots are gone. Were they crap? Um, they, my kids <laughs> peeled them off. And they were like 30 bucks. Good to know. I know. They peeled they them off. they were so cute. I know. And they worked for like a week. Yeah. Because then they would love to sit at my table and write yes. words and draw and stuff yes. on them. But they peeled them off. So then I got mad one day and just ripped <laughs> them like forget it you know what i could probably have done it with last year's class this year's class right. couldn't they just can't couldn't handle it depends on the yes kids. so um but so whiteboards and whiteboard okay. markers we use okay. all the time okay um when we're depending on what we're doing like if we're doing money mm -hmm. i just like little fake coins um i have number lines that are laminated that they can use to solve math problems both hundreds chart number lines to do like 10 more 10 less 20 more 10 20 less, and then 1 through 20 number lines for addition and subtraction. Mm -hmm. um, we I use a lot of, like, our just normal math manipulatives, mm -hmm. like the tens cubes, the or the ones cubes, the ten sticks, the hundreds to build different numbers and do mm -hmm. ten more, ten less. And we use those for, like, double digit to kind of help understand why instead of just, yeah, get a like, visual. to take away one yeah. or to um, – yeah. So those would be the main things at my okay. table. Awesome. But – what probably took me the longest was building up a, like, variety of math games. Yeah. Um, because now that I have more, I have my games and organized by skill. And how do you introduce those math? Are they, like, basically the same um, math I have games, a lot or? of the same style. Like, we have a okay. lot of memory games. Like, okay. I have, like, addition memory where one will say, like, the math problem and one is the answer. Yes. Or, like, place value memory will have, like, Four ten sticks and three ones, they have to match it to 43. Yes. So a lot of memory, a lot of, like, addition, like, roll or spin bump type games. Gotcha. Um, I'm trying to think. Puzzles, a lot of puzzles or, like, clips, like, oh, like yeah. co count the coins, put the clothespin clip on. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of, like, war-style games, like co coin war, t like... Yes. Ten sticks, one sticks, war. So like basically, place value. you teach them how to do that once, and then I'll say, "Oh, we're playing memory today. You're gonna match. Yeah, um, the, you're gonna match the clock to if it says two thirty. You're looking for the clock that has two thirty written out, right? Or what? Right. So a lot of the same style of game or type of game, game rules. And you used to do a lot of 
um, like walk around the room? Um, and I usually do that for seat work. So oh, okay. um, where they search. Yes. So I will hang for their seat work. They'll uh-huh. use a clipboard. Yeah. And seat work, not seat work. Yes. And their math <laughs> problem. Like it'll be like math problems hanging around or yes. coin, like cards with yeah. a variety of coins on them. And they have to figure out count the coins, and then write it in the box. Yes. Or And how long has this taken you to build your library? Um, I Well, I started building games my first year, so yeah. six years, yeah. and I still am yeah. – every year I'm adding Depending on games your students on. and what they yes, need. Yes, but I, like, hmm. I have them organized by skill, my mm-hmm. games. So, oh. like, if I'm doing, like, shapes, I have, like, all of my shapes and patterns. That's how what we start with. How do you organize them? Um, I have these little bins over here. Okay. And there's, like, all of my place value games, all of my ah. coin – Money games, all of my time games, all of my patterning games. Oh, okay. So you can just go over there and go, ooh. So I, is... when I lesson plan, I pull out like next week or this week we're doing, um, we are doing, uh, we're introducing the quarter. I couldn't even think. <laughs> <laughs> what did I teach today? Um, we're introducing the quarter. The life so of a first grade teacher. <laughs> my seat work and my games this week have been reviewing pennies, nickels, dimes because we've introduced gotcha. pennies, nickel, dime. Okay. So they are doing money games that don't have quarter. Uh, right. And then after we have taught the quarter, then I will right. introduce those. Right. Um, and then I also have a variety of games that I play with parent volunteers nice. that the days – So, like, Mondays and Tuesdays during math, I have a parent volunteer. Nice. So, those days, I will either have my seat station be in the hall and I'll hang the problems around. Or I will have my game be in the hall. Oh, cool. So. Cool. And then the parents just take it there. Yeah. That helps with noise level for everything. Everything. But I also can give them games that they need a little bit more supervision. Right. A little more help. Yes. like, accountability. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, 2 yeah. plus 2 is not yes. 10. And to make sure they're not just like, like I uh, yesterday they played math Jenga, where it's Jenga, they play Jenga, but they have to solve the math problem. They're not just playing Jenga, just playing Jenga and they have to solve the problem before they get stabbed. Yes. Things like that. And that was our interview with Mackenzie Riant. Unfortunately, the rest of that interview, which was amazing, was not usable because I'm a newbie at this and I didn't really know what I was doing, and she went on to talk about how she built her library of math instructional games. So Mackenzie has very graciously agreed to come back on and tell us about how she built that library up and some of the basic games that she uses that you can also use in your classroom. So thank you, Mackenzie, and we'll have you back soon. Next up, let's go ahead and talk about formative assessment. I know, yuck, but you're going to love it. Hold on, here we go. All right, let's jump into formative assessment. Just the word assessment is just sometimes gives us a little cringe because we are so into, as kindergarten and first grade teachers, so into the growth and the journey of learning that when we hear assessment, we think of it as kind of a punitive thing. But for formative assessment, it's an amazing tool for the kindergarten and first grade teacher. And we do it all day, every day with our students because we know that those skills that those kids are learning are skills that really need to be broken up into teeny tiny chunks. And if there's a little hiccup along our journey, 
in teaching those and learn and them learning them, then we need to nip it in the bud right then. So today, let's talk a little bit about formative assessment, quick and easy, so that you can make adjustments in your instruction on the fly. So the first technique I have, which I love, I've seen this in kindergarten, first grade, uh, fifth grade, is the technique of put it in your hand and let it go. So these are the teacher asks a question and the students respond usually with a one or two word phrase. So these are kind of lower level questions, but sometimes we have to ask those, right? So it would be like, um, what color is the bear? Put it in your hand and they lift up their hand and they whisper it into their, their fist and then you, the teacher says, let it go. And they, it's like uh, frozen. They just fly it into the air and they say the answer out loud. And this is done with whole group so that everyone is participating. Everyone is answering the question. And it's amazing when they let it go, you can hear some of the students that instead of saying brown, the bear was brown, they say purple. It's like, whoa, wait a second, they're not comprehending this story. Or there, some something's misfiring somewhere along the way. Or you can see for some of your other students that they're kind of looking around and they're putting it in their hand and they're letting it go, but they're waiting until they hear their classmates' response. So it's a way of them confirming for those students what they're hearing is what they believe to be the right answer. And you can observe it really easily because they have a quizzical (laughs) little expression on their face like, oh, I have no idea. And they're letting it go and they're looking around. So it's called put it in your hand, let it go. I love that one. It's, It's just the best. It's very fast. And students participate in it, even the ones that are a little bit shy. They love it because it's not just them giving the answer. The next one is that I love to do is a stand, sit, floor. So this is when you have a big group question and there's three options. It's like a multiple choice. And if it's choice A, they stand out of their seat. If it's option B, they sit in their chair. And if it's option C, they sit on the floor. And it's super fun because sometimes you can uh, see students, <laughs> again, look around. Ooh, should I be sitting on the floor? Should I be standing up? And if you, if you really watch, you can see how they are uh, reacting to their environment to kind of double check the response. So if you see a lot of students not responding quickly to a a question, you know that that's probably something in your classroom that you need to go over again and again and again. So that's just simply stand, sit, floor is what I used to call it. Similarly, if you don't want them up and bouncing around, if it's kind of chaotic and you think, well, we need these kids in our seats, Uh, do head, shoulders, lap, and just have them put their hands on their head, on their shoulders, or in their lap in a similar way. Another way is to use formative assessment tools 
like the printable that I'm going to give you. So many times, some of our formative assessment has to be written, even in kindergarten and first grade. So sometimes a whiteboard is a great idea. But if you're like me, sometimes getting out the whiteboards and getting the markers out is just like, oh my word, this is this is a little bit more than I bargained for. So what I have for you is a printout. And this printout, I'm going to bring it up on my computer. I know you can't see it. This printable, I would copy off a gazillion of them and put them, if you're teaching kindergarten, you have like communal um, supplies, just put it in the middle of the table. If it's first grade, just have a stack that you can hand out really quickly. And it's basically a printable with four shapes on it and an arrow path that leads from shape to shape to shape. And sometimes I would use a similar structure when I was doing math. And I would tell a math story, depending on the skill that we wanted so that I could double check the skill over and over and over again. Plus, with the printable, then I would have evidence of the assessment that I did, and I could check back and refer back to it. So, um, This printable has a circle as the beginning point. So I might say something like, one day Marissa was walking in the woods and she saw a golden tree filled with all sorts of sugary delights. She looked up and she saw her favorite candy. It was taffy. She saw five pieces of pink taffy on the tree. Oh, her heart leapt with joy. Then she looked over and she saw four pieces of purple taffy. Oh, she was so excited. Five pieces of pink taffy and four pieces of purple taffy. Oh, her tummy began to growl when all of a sudden out of the tree jumped a mean old troll. Marissa said, hello, mean old troll. May I have the taffy on your tree? And he said, of course not. But if you can tell me a riddle, I will give you the taffy. Marissa said, of course, what is the uh, riddle? And the troll said, if I had five pieces of pink taffy and ate them all gone and then ate four pieces of purple taffy. How many pieces of taffy did I eat all together? (gasps) Marissa froze. Oh, she wasn't quite sure. But then she thought, hmm, I'll just look at the tree. Five plus four more. Hmm, she knew the answer. I bet you do too. Write the answer in the circle. How many pieces of taffy? Five pink taffy plus four purple taffy. How much does that equal? Put it in your circle. So as you can see, that's how I would do it. And Marissa would walk on and she would find something and put it in the next shape, a question that you might have onto the next shape, onto the last shape. And then you would have some sort of record of the assessment. 
I like the idea of the path too, because students listen more and it's a language experience as well when um, it's put in a story form, especially for math. So that printable is available for you. Look in the show notes. The link is there free for you. So there's some fun formative assessments that you can do quick and easy and done. Okay, that's it for today, teacher friends. If you haven't already, make sure you grab the free formative assessment printable. The link is in the show notes. A special thank you to Mackenzie Riant. If you guys have any questions for her, remember she is going to be back on again. So go ahead and leave some questions for her in on the website as well. Link is in the show notes. And until next time, keep rocking this teacher thing. You're amazing and you're enough. God bless. Hey, teacher friend, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me today. It means so much to me that you listen and share this podcast with your teacher friends. I hope this podcast helped you today and found a place in your teacher heart. If you want to subscribe, that would be awesome. If you ever want to go back and listen to this as well as other episodes, go ahead and head to my website, Making the Basics Fun, and look under the tab Podcast, and there's Rockin' This Teacher Thing. Also, tell us how you and your classroom are benefiting from this podcast and how we can serve you better. Your input helps us get the podcast into the hands of other teachers just like you. Together, we can continue to make teacher life fresh, full, and blessed. Until next time, keep rocking this teacher thing. Thank you.